Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Snitches and rats, snitches and rats, snitches and rats, they all get wet. Pussy told on his brother, pussy his brother told back. Pussy they say that they twins, we call them Siamese rats. Oh God. Snitches and rats, snitches and rats, we snatching your jewelry oh and taking your pack. Little bitch. Snitches and rats, pussy snitches and rats, pussy cut off his tail and put slugs in his hat. Sound real tough when you making them songs. Where the fuck is your body's at? Pussy. Say you won't smoke with that bitch for a well. Where the fuck is your apartment's at? Been stuck on them, they ain't talking about shit. Pussy. Them niggas are welcome at. Shout be speaking them facts. Shout ain't talking to rats. Nigga no new to my twin, playing with cud, nigga get whacked. Facts. You ain't gon' slide you a hold off. Spin a nigga block, then we rolled off. Young cool trying to scold out. Shepard was busy, so I sent Foga. Snitches and rats. Snitches and rats. Snitches and rats. They all get whacked. Pussy told on his brother, pussy his brother told back. Pussy they say that they twins, we call them Siamese rats. Oh God. Snitches and rats, snitches and rats. We don't funk with racism. We don't funk with people who don't support the LGBTQ plus community. And baby, we damn sure don't funk with anybody who don't love a beautiful black queen, baby. You see this tape? You don't let nobody act black and then go home and be white. It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. And we are back with the Afrocentric podcast. Today is a very glorious day. We're gonna be getting we gonna be getting to the streets with it. You know, I'm a country girl, but I think that we have a very interesting topic on our hands today. We're gonna be talking about street code and street law. Um, we're gonna be talking about snitches and rats and this complex web of loyalty, betrayal, and survival, and really the underbelly of the United States culture. So I'm excited, you know, and if I were you, I would stick around to the end of this episode. I believe I came up with a formula to be able to distinguish the range of snitch to rat ratio and trickery. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Boosie Badass, Charleston White, and T.I. and they web of just foolishness. You told me you felt like one of your own people wrote a statement on you. Yeah, we talking about Italian beef and Pepsi. I'm talking about butter. Italian beef and Pepsi. I don't know who butter is, man. That's what you call him now? That's what he called himself. That's what he was eating in that room, pointing them statements out of shit. <laughs> That's his name, damn. Goofy motherfucker. I ain't feed me shit. I ain't get a sandwich, a motherfucker piece of bread, nothing. Bro, it took him. He had Italian beef, a Pepsi, and a pack of squares right there. Soon as I saw that, oh yeah, that bitch told. That bitch told, man. How do you find out that he's talking? My lawyer. I paid for his lawyer at first. She tell him he why I signed that. <laughs> oh, bro. 
Well, I'm saying that. I remember Duck was saying that he wish you would have took the deal because you could have got out four years early, right? I'm not finna tell. I don't give a fuck what the no deal is. Fuck I'm telling for. Yeah. I shouldn't have hopped in the streets. Say your bitch ass to school or something. You want to tell? Be a bitch. Go stay in school, play basketball, football, something, man. Street shit. Ain't for everybody, man. Ever since he went to motherfucker witness protection, I ain't seen them. Okay, so you seen him after he snitched on you? Yeah. I was finna beat his okay. ass on bro. He told the police on me. I got that paperwork too. His goofy ass telling me he's gonna make shit right. He won't make it right. I was gonna beat the fuck out of him. What is street code, Morgan? And and how does that apply to African American culture? And I'm so elated that you decided to ask me this very grand and very specific question. So today we're going to be starting with um, a really cool source. It is by Elijah Anderson. He's the author of a novel called The Code of the Street and the Disproportionate Street Code. So inside of his article, he writes, quote, street code is a cultural ethos that serves as a set of informal rules or attitudes governing the interpersonal behavior in a wide range of domains, including the use of violence and aggression. So in layman's terms, street code is a set of unwritten rules that have developed over time in certain communities. And it is often seen as a way for people to be able to protect themselves, their community, and to maintain a sense of order in the absence of formal law systems. Okay. So street law in African-American culture is a term that really refers to and focuses on these informal rules and codes of conduct that govern and behave the behavior in urban neighborhoods. And they're also, they're very often based off of the idea and sense of loyalty to one's community and the desire to protect oneself and the family from any type of harm. So street law can include things like avoiding certain areas within a neighborhood at certain times, um, trying to make sure that you're wearing the right um set of colors when you go into different neighborhoods um being very weary of strangers not letting anybody talk to you um and respecting the authority of the local gang leaders within those neighborhoods so street law can be helpful in aiding to provide a sense of order and safety in many communities. And it can also contribute to a culture of violence and retribution. And I feel like we need to take a pause there because throughout this episode, I really want to give the idea of street code, street law, and more positive perspective because there are a lot of people who abide by these set of laws and it is a sense of morality within those communities. That is the way that people hold themselves accountable. But it is so important to place an emphasis on the rising amount of violence within these communities and the need for retribution, retaliation, or to get they fucking lick back. I go check on love because she my girl, so I fuck with her. So I said, you gotta get your lick back. My motherfucking first day here, bitch. I'm trying to go out tonight. My thing, get your lick back. You talking and all that, none of that. Get your lick back. It's very important to highlight it because that is such a large part of that culture. Street code. Just because you know the street lingo and you might dress like you from the streets or you might talk like you from the streets, don't make you from the streets. So you definitely can't live by the code. You ain't never put in no work. I'm just saying though. 
Now, before we go any further, I want to place an emphasis on the fact that street code and street law are not the same thing. Street code and street law are very similar concepts, but they're not exactly the same thing. So street code generally refers to an unwritten rules and expectations that govern behavior in urban neighborhoods, particularly around issues of respect, loyalty, and violence. Street law, on the other hand, is more focused on the law and legal systems that exist within urban communities, such as the authority of local gang leaders, the informal justice systems that are sometimes used to resolve those disputes. But both street code and street law are complex and multifaceted phenomena that reflects the unique challenges and experiences of urban life in urban neighborhoods. I feel like that is pretty self-explanatory, to be quite frank with you. I think that these rules of conduct and different laws that are within these urban neighborhoods is a reflection of the systemic racism and the systemic violence that has happened to those communities. So they have decided to come up with their own informal set of rules to be able to protect themselves. I think the sad thing about street code and in street law is the fact that most times when black men participate in these types of activities they inflict violence upon each other and I think I heard Charleston White put it the best that like I, he might have guns for white people but black men when they get ready to pull out a gun they pulling a gun out for another black man and that is the truth and we're not going to sit here and pretend as if black on black violence isn't a thing but the thing is is that black on like with other communities with different racial groups you know they all have their own sense of violence against themselves within those communities asian people kill asian people white people kill white people hispanic people kill hispanic people but there is a highlight towards black on black crime because they're trying to paint us out to be very violent people the only thing that is happening within these urban neighborhoods is that the people are perpetuating the crime. I think when we talk about the lives of black people, people try their best to deduce our livelihoods to either being bougie or being ghetto or being from the hood or being from the streets, okay? Number one, I wanna reiterate the fact that black lives are not a monolithic experience. So that means that black people do not all live the same way because I'm neither, my ass is country as fuck, but I do have an understanding of this shit as all black people do because all our neighborhoods in a way kind of work in the same fashion and have, everybody has an understanding of what street code, street law is. It just might be seen as something differently, okay? Number two, I wanted to say that I have met so many black men from urban neighborhoods, black communities, and they are truly traumatized. Like the amount of black men that have had guns pulled in their faces, the black, amount of black men that have been in shootouts, that have seen their friends die, that have suffered from multiple deaths. I see black men hurting from this stuff and I understand why, because those are truly traumatic situations to the point where many black men don't even realize that that is trauma 
or that when they remove themselves from those situations they realize that it's not normal that a lot of black men like their friends are dying at a fast rate or that cousins and brothers are dying out faster it's not normal so I, I and that is another reason why I feel like we say black men need to go to therapy because y'all are really struggling not just emotionally but with the trauma of your environment and you know I just want to encourage black men because I want black men to understand that you are not a product of your environment you are who you are and it helps and it adds but I think that if the community was less violent and perpetuated less violence especially within music like drill music it would be a more safe society and we'll talk about that more when we get through discussing the rest of these concepts So what are the concepts of street code specifically? There are many concepts that are associated with street code and they can be depending and varying based upon the community and the context in which you ask. But the most common concepts include loyalty, respect, honor, and revenge. And these concepts often are seen as important for maintaining order and protecting oneself and one's community. However, it's so important to recognize that street code can also be used to justify negative behaviors such as what violence and retaliation. Ultimately, it is up to each individual to decide what they believe is correct and what they think is wrong and to make those choices that are in line with their own values and beliefs. So this is rooted in morality. So, Again, one of the important aspects to street code is loyalty. And this can mean being loyal to one's family, one's group of friends, to the community, and can involve supporting them even in difficult or dangerous situations. Another important concept is respect, which is and can involve showing respect to others and demanding respect in return. The next one is honor, and it is often seen as an important value, and it can involve maintaining one's reputation and standing up for oneself as well as one's community. Finally is revenge, and is sometimes seen as a legitimate response to perceived slights or wrongs and can involve taking matters into one's hands rather than relying on formal legal systems. Now, now that we have an understanding of the concepts of what street code is built up on or rooted in, let's have a, a, a little conversation. Um, one of the concepts that truly speak to me is the concept of respect. And I think that's one thing that truly makes me a black person because I will die behind my respect and it's such an ignorant thing but I feel like innately as all black people we feel the need to have respect because as a whole we are a respectful group of people so that also applies in in every aspect in every term of black communities but specifically for urban neighborhoods black owned neighborhoods um another concept that is very important is the concept of honor and i think that when people think of asian groups specifically in china um there is such a deep root of honor um that is bestowed over their culture and how much honor is deeply intimate uh is deeply 
implemented within those scenarios as well as it's something to die about. And I don't think that people really place uh, or highlight or put a special notice about the importance of honor within black communities. Black people are very particular about honoring. We believe we are uh, most people who are in the South know the Bible scripture, honor thy mother and father. Like that is something that is ingrained to all of us as children. But even so making sure that even if you die for the community, if you, if you like, you honor your group, you do what you have to do. And finally, with the concept of um, revenge, revenge is something that I feel like, again, is a result of being in this anti-capitalist, within this capitalistic society, as well as being within this racial dynamic that we are in especially when it comes to relying on formal legal systems. Um, that is something that and I don't think people realize is that rely, the lack of relying on formal legal systems like the police is something that is also something that is practiced in poor white neighborhoods. Black people as well as poor white people will not call the police for shit. You know why? They're going to get within their communities, talk it out, hash it out, and figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, that's when niggas start to go get revenge. And it's also rooted in respect. And a lot of times it's also rooted with this concept of loyalty too. But the revenge is the final note. Because niggas will die about theirs or you going to die about it. Most niggas own guns anyway. So if you out there, nigga, you might as well know you need to be careful. In 2019, I shared an apartment with four other people, and we lived in an urban community. We stayed in the ghetto. So, what's funny, being, I love being surrounded around black people. Um, black people, most times, they mind their business. They're pretty helpful and friendly and shit. But a lot of people don't know this, especially when you go into urban communities. They don't know that motherfuckers is sweet as fuck. And it ain't just gangsters and gangbangers down there. Folks, grandmas be down there. Grandfathers, uncles, druggies, drug lords. Everybody be down there. And if you're nice to them nine times out of ten, they're going to be nice to you. Um, Back to the story. So, in 2019, I stayed on the bottom floor of an apartment complex and a girl lived on top of me and i swear to god y'all she was getting her ass rocked by her boyfriend every single night that mean shit i was scared to have company over because my fucking ceiling fan would be shaking through the ceiling i thought my ceiling fan would fall out of the ceiling she was getting her butt beat so bad and like y'all don't understand how that impacted me even though this is not about me this is about her but i was so scared for her and that is where you see that concept of like not associating oneself with formal legal systems because niggas know i swear to god niggas know not to call the police Niggas know not to call the police. So you gon' so it'd be multiple times where she would be getting just mopped. Just do the I go up there. I swear to God, I went up there. This before I got my gun. I went up there with a big ass butcher knife. It was raining, y'all. Ooh, it was raining. And I heard that girl screaming for help. She said, Help me. Help somebody help. Girl, she called. I heard, baby. 
Jesus let me hit that day. I grabbed the biggest knife in my kitchen and I went up them stairs and knocked on the door. And that boy opened up the door. She telling me it's okay. I'm like, girl, it's not okay. I can hear y'all. Like, they was, she was like, it's okay, it's okay. And this boy acted like he was ready to jump on me. But you ain't got no business beating on no woman like that. And that the misogyny, massage in the wall within those neighborhoods, within urban communities are very prevalent. But also within a lot of urban neighborhoods, bitches is becoming way more sneakier. And I, you know, I know a lot of niggas are scared. A lot of black people are scared of getting set up. Oh, I knew this nigga from Jackson. He was so paranoid. He had been through some stuff and he had seen some shit, but folks are nervous about getting set up. So that goes back to, you know, not speaking to any and everyone and not being so friendly. Don't let in and everybody in your house. I think that's a perfect example of this story. Cause the nigga didn't even live there. She just let him in. How you letting somebody in so you can get your ass beat? Okay, I'm done. Now, street law, on the other hand, is a complex and multifaceted phenomenon that can be taken many different ways and it can be shown in different forms depending on the specific context of the location. So some of the keys and concepts that are often associated with street law is authority, informal injustice, retaliation, loyalty, and self-protection, okay? So the first one is authority. So in many urban neighborhoods, local gang leaders and other powerful individuals hold a great deal of authority and influence over the community. These individuals may be looked to as sources of protection or guidance, but they can also be a source of violence and intimidation. Now, um, Charleston White did an interview, I want to say with Say Cheese TV, and he was talking about this young boy, I think, Charleston said he was either seven or 11, but he was, I think he was like seven and he was really, really bad. And he actually was calling the shots, doing what, what, like robbing people, shooting people. He was a serial killer. But the thing about it was, is that he was admired by his peers within those neighborhoods the kids within his neighborhood his neighborhood friends cousins brothers sisters they really loved him this young boy unfortunately ended up being shot and when he died they buried him with two caskets and for those who don't know um within black communities especially in america that is a sign of like wealth as well as a sign of influence and importance so it is i think that specific case is very interesting to think about when we think about the authority within those neighborhoods um and i know that is an outlier that's not something that is common within those communities or at least i would hope not but there is a lot of influence over the communities and they are looked at as protection or as guidance. And in this case, for the people around him, they guided him. He was their mentor in some sense. So the next point is informal justice. So in some cases, 
disputes and conflicts in urban neighborhoods are resolved through informal justice systems that separate from formal legal systems. So these systems may be based on a sense of community justice or may be controlled by local gangs or other powerful individuals. Everybody know niggas in the hood. Now, back in the day, we used to fight. That is a form of informal justice. What you gonna do? You gonna get your lick back, friend. What? Square bitch will find it park in the middle of the street. Bitch be at Chandler Park, fine. Bitch be on the bus, fine. You know what I'm saying? That is a form of informal justice. We ain't got to call the police about it. Let's just fight it out. And when we get done, we just done. And, you know, I feel like that is something, especially um in TV now, with uh the Baddies West franchise, Bad Boys franchise, that is um, how how do you know that you are a bad boy? I know how to fight. Do-do-do. What that what bitch said, if, they, if I go up there and they ask me, um... How I know I'm a bad girl. I'm going to say I'm just going to um, get take my one with Nelly Nunn. This shit funny. But that's a form of informal justice. But that is a very mild form of informal justice. Just to be realistic with you. Um, Another informal justice is, you know, shootouts. What Kevin Gates said, he'll put your daughter in the oven. You find out that your daughter did. That's informal justice. That ain't got nothing to do with the police. The next form is retaliation. Retaliation is a common feature of street law with individuals or groups seeking revenge for perceived slights or injustices. This can contribute to a cycle of violence and retribution that can be difficult to break. And that also is looped up with informal justice. Loyalty is one's community loyalty and you provide loyalty to one's community to a family or a gang and that is highly valued in street lawyer this can lead to a strong sense of solidarity and support but it can also contribute to a culture of violence and retribution boy that motherfucking loyalty is what be fucking niggas up and that's where snitching and ratting come in and we gonna we gonna get into it y'all that, that, that loyalty, that's the key. That's how you know if you got somebody real around you. The final is self-protection. So in many urban neighborhoods, individuals might feel that they need to take steps to protect themselves and their families from harm. This can, can, can include avoiding certain areas or certain individuals carrying weapons or relying on local gang leaders for protection. Um, again, which is also seen in a lot of black neighborhoods, not just urban black, uh, urban neighborhoods, but specifically for this conversation. Yes. And um, you know, I shit niggas be toting it that that nine, they be toting it iron, they be having they blicky, they be having they get, they look glock, you know, you know what it is. Niggas say cheese. Um relying on local gang leaders for protection. That's inside and outside of jail. You know, niggas will do you something nasty, but self-protection is important because when you cannot rely on the police, you have to be able to protect yourself. If it ain't nobody out here other than you, you are the only person that you can rely on. And I feel like that is a mindset that not only um people from urban neighborhoods view but everybody within black communities all black people feel this way specifically um
So when we are talking about street code and we are talking about street law, you have to understand that although these concepts are understand by black people, there is an emphasis placed on the heads of those who come from those communities and come from those backgrounds. So these are an extra set of morality based off of like what is societally acceptable is extra force and extra implemented within their brains and systems. And it's implemented within their brains on um, at a very young age so with that in mind i want to take the time to view street code and street law from an afrocentric perspective so obviously street law or street law and street code is very helpful to black people and black communities in several ways um for example these informal systems of governance can provide a sense of order and safety in neighborhoods where the legal systems may be ineffective or corrupt and even just on the slightest part of that there are some places in some neighborhoods that people feel like are so violent that the police won't show up to like the peace of man won't live down there you understand me and that's not fair because everyone in those communities are not a product part of the problem so um you have to think about people who are elderly as well as young young people as well as single mothers just single people in general not everybody is contributing to the problems um also with this understanding of street law and street code it can help build a sense of community and solidarity with individuals looking out for one another and working together to address common challenges and that is very true when everybody has an understanding of how you're supposed to move and how you're supposed to think and how she go go on around here when everybody on the same page is peaceful it'd be beautiful days in the ghetto I don't give a fuck what nobody say. I love being on the west side. My grandma from the west side. That's why I be throwing up gang signs. Feel me? Like, it's just it's just an understanding. If you need something, I got you. You won't believe the big crazy ass niggas um, that helped me move in and out of my apartment that came by that wanted something to drink, wanted something to eat. And I always had them. And I know if I needed them, they would have me back because it's an understanding and it's a, it's a sense of love. And I love that. It's so nice. I love being around black people. Now, Street Law and Street Code provides a source of empowerment and agency for individuals who might feel marginalized or powerless in other areas of their lives. But it is important, once again, to place an emphasis on the note that Street Law and Street Code can also contribute to a culture of violence and retribution, and that they may not always be effective or beneficial for all members of a community. And those are the marginalized of the marginalized. So that's where you get like young black nerds, you know, I can't lie to you though. Black people are so fucking friendly. Like if there is someone in um black urban neighborhoods that might be special ed and the whole community knows about it, that boy taken care of. You could send that boy to school and if everybody know and everybody love him, they gonna protect that young boy. Ain't nobody gonna bully him. Ain't nobody gonna do nothing because that's love. But that is in a perfect world. I've seen it before, but I've also seen the complete opposite so you also could have someone who is um mentally challenged or they don't speak well they might stutter you know they marginalized they have a disability but they don't excuse niggas from getting on your ass either 
niggas be on motherfuckers asses and it be sad to see it but that is a part of the community because niggas hold each other accountable motherfuckers will never be musty around niggas you know why because niggas gonna get that shit in check quickly you gonna know about it they might know you stink before you stink before you know you stink but they sure gonna let you know and that's why I love niggas, because white folks will walk around here and let their friends walk around here smelling like wet dogs. And they'll join them. They'll join them and smell like little wet pennies. They'll sit up there and do it together and hold hands and kiss. And that's the problem. Niggas going to tell you. Niggas going to provide Vaseline. Niggas will have anything in their purses. And that's why I love being around black people. Y'all are some wonderful people, and I love y'all dearly. But you want to know what niggas in the hood hate more than anything? Niggas detest some niggas that fucking make niggas distraught. Boy, snitches. Nigga, my cousin up the road for snitches. My uncle did time for snitches. I was facing death row because fucking snitches. Nigga, don't rap about what we rap about, nigga, and go the other way. Mm. Rap about some shit on your hit records about being a rat. About looking through a window or some shit. Make it catchy. But don't rap this fucking gangsta shit that nigga I stayed silent for, that niggas got life and doing a hundred years in Angola for right now, nigga. I know you're looking at me, Morgan. Morgan, what is a snitch, girl? Oh, my God. You're so lame, but I feel you. So snitching is a term used to describe the act of providing information to law enforcement or other authorities about the illegal activities of others. The term is often used in a context of criminal activity, particularly in situations where individuals are involved in illegal or illicit behavior and do not want to be caught or punished. In some cases, individuals may be reluctant to report criminal activities or cooperate with law enforcement due to the fear of retaliation or a sense of loyalty to others involved in the activity. In the context of street law and street code, the concept of snitching is often viewed as a major violation of the informal rules and norms that govern these communities. In many cases, individuals who are perceived as snitches may be the subject of retaliation or violence from others in the community as they are often seen as betraying the trust and loyalty that are so highly valued in these contexts and communities. This can create a culture of silence and secrecy where individuals may be reluctant to report criminal activities or cooperate with law enforcement for fear of being labeled a snitch. Look, I get it. And and we're going to talk about this more in depthly, especially when we get to talking about Boosie. Snitching is very important. Um, it's important not to snitch as black people, you know. I took the code of silence myself, and I don't do too much snitching. I've never been in a position to snitch, but I don't do, I don't, I don't, there's something I personally don't participate in because I'm a nice young lady. Um, there is, and we have to have this conversation where, what um, Charleston White often talks about the difference between snitching and telling. And I think that does need to be emphasized more within these communities and talked about because y'all take, it's like y'all take snitching and run with it. I swear to God, like if someone has been sexually assaulted, sexually abused, physically abused, stuff like that, y'all won't say nothing. Even with the case of, um, 
the Migos boy, Offset, they got shot and killed. He got shot and killed in front of like 30 people, including like his his nephews and shit. Wouldn't nobody say nothing. 30 people saw, they were right there in a bowling alley, nothing but open space. Nobody would say nothing. And to me, that's wild. That is very, very wild. Just because, again, it goes back to the set of morality. Like, are you really going to allow, like, what somebody else thinks about you to dictate whether or not you're going to tell the truth and give another group of people justice? Especially when you have, like, cases where you have young children seeing very messed up stuff or seeing inappropriate things and y'all won't say nothing y'all have it gets to a point where you have to say something and you do have to differentiate between snitching and telling and with that i completely agree with charleston white when he talks about it I'm beyond a snitch. I'm a tattletelling motherfucker. See, I tell every goddamn thing. I tell shit I ain't even supposed to tell. I ain't got no business telling. The fear of being labeled a snitch can have a very significant impact on black people and other marginalized communities, particularly in neighborhoods where these formal legal systems may be ineffective or very corrupt. And in many cases, individuals may be reluctant to report criminal activities or cooperate with the law enforcement because they're so afraid of being labeled as a snitch. And again, it creates this culture of silence and secrecy. And this is especially and extremely true for like neighborhoods that are already facing such high levels of poverty, unemployment and other social challenges as individuals might feel that they have very few options to escape or to be able to protect themselves. Additionally, the fear of being labeled a snitch can contribute to a sense of mistrust and suspicions between community members, making it more difficult to build the kind of solidarity and cooperation that is necessary for adjusting and addressing these common challenges. Overall, the fear of being labeled a snitch has so many complex and far-reaching impacts on Black people and other marginalized communities, making it so much more difficult to achieve these ideas like safety justice and well-being and you know i get it i understand as you just seen i understand the purpose of why it's implemented within those communities i understand why because when you are in those communities a lot of people are doing things to be able to provide for themselves or their families so a lot of the things that they're doing is illegal i mean but at what point are we gonna stop like selling weed you know, selling shrooms, that's cool in my book. But when you get to the point where you doing child trafficking, you killing people, you murdering people, people are like becoming serial killers. At what point do you allow so many people to be harmed and their lives be taken away before you're not, you don't give a fuck about not being a snitch and you decide to help stop a problem, you know? And I just think that's very, very fucked up. And then when we think about being called a snitch or being considered a snitch i think it's also important to think about protecting one's self-interest too because that is a very common thing that we see with these huge cases especially with what's going on with gonna now in the media gonna tell oh Hey, say, I, well, I'm so happy. This is a, boy, this is a great day in the black community. Gunner is out of prison. I never thought I would be happy to say, say, y'all, Gunner is out of prison. 
Now, I'm glad he got out by telling. I think that was smart, Gunner. <laughs> I'm a Gunner fan now. If you got, I'm a goddamn Gunner fan now, boy. That's all y'all finna hear my motherfucking CD is Gunner, 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 Gunner. Uh, I'm gonna tell. <laughs> That's a, yeah, yeah, that day, Gunner, Gunner, Gunner. I'm gonna tell, nigga. What? I'm the new Gunner. Gonna tell them all, yeah, we're big gonna. Now, I mean, if you ask this question to any other race, I feel like they would choose their own self protection and choose to want to be on the outside of prison because remember, prison is a form of legal slavery and choose to want to be outside roaming free. But in the black community, it's the inverse. I swear to God, if you go down for a nigga charge, it niggas be set for life. If you decide to go down and you don't snitch and you go to jail, your mama gonna be set for life. Your kids gonna be set for life. You gonna that, but that's in perfect circumstances. It also be people that go down for other people charges and they don't hear from nobody ever again. And they just took a leak and people forgot about them and now they still sit in jail. So you gotta know you you that is once again based off of your own um perception and your own ideals of it but i mean a perfectly sane person probably would do what's right to protect their own interests and maybe you know cooperate with the police i don't know i don't do shit to get myself in situations like this you know i'm just talking about it shit it's just so complex and nuanced that's why it's best just to stay out of it if you have that opportunity and not everybody has their opportunity. So when you're thinking about these conversations, please apply great empathy with these people because not everybody has the same opportunities that are afforded to you. I was talking to these niggas from Old Block down in Chicago, some real ass GDs. Shout out to the GDs. This young man told me that he started selling marijuana like at a very young age, like at 12, 14. And, you know, it was normal to him. You know, niggas down here in Mississippi not doing no shit like that. I don't care if you come from Bootful Gardens and Starville. Y'all weren't pushing no weight at eight, nine years old. That's nuts, but that's normal to them because they have to be able to provide for their families. So let's practice more empathy and look and be able to view these complex topics in multiple different ways and not be so hard on people. I spoke to Gunnar's lawyer. And, you know, because I, I, I also made some comments about Gunnar on Twitter and he reached out to me personally and he had a conversation with me and he said, look, I understand your point of view, but as his lawyer, I'm going to explain to you that the deal that he took uh, does not hurt anybody. Uh, it can't be used against other people in their trial. And if he's ever called to the stand, he could plead the fifth because in this particular case, since it's a state case, it could always go up to a federal case. So therefore, anything he said could end up being used in the federal case. So it would be self-incrimination. So he could plead the fifth for everything. That is his lawyer's point of view. His lawyer was supposed to call you and say that. He got paid to call you and say, <laughs> so you can say this. He earned his money. To stand. He already did. He earned his he money. He did. He already did. He's never had to go up there again. He's right. He already did. Yes, ma'am. He already did. That's how they. That's what they do. It's a cat and mouse game to the jury. 
They wanted him to go. They wanted him to cop out first. They would want Gunner to say something for anybody. Because when you look at the case, and it's like a team. If you look at Thugger, it's Michael Jordan. Mm. Who the fuck is Scottie Pippen when you talk about the team? Gunner. Well, Young Thug is Michael Jordan. Yeah, and who the fuck is Scottie Pippen? Gunner. Gunner. Right. So if Scottie Pippen say it's a game, what the fuck Michael Jordan is? Michael Jordan say it's not. What the fuck? Why you think they go get Scottie Pippen first? They ain't gonna get B.J. Armstrong or Will Purdue. They won't get somebody believable who scored the most points with you, who on the album covers with you. That's what they'll post on the thing, the album covers. All them niggas ain't on them album covers. It's you and him. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's a game. Yeah. You're saying that that wasn't for you in that car. Who it was for if Jeffrey was in the car? The fucking stern wheel? The glove compartment? This is a game. They, they, he, they wanted him to sink the ship. You got to understand this. That's the games they play. They ain't have shit on them people like that. If it's 65 charges and you end up with eight, if they wouldn't have said nothing, how many would he would have had? Wake up and smell a coffee, man. Niggas rats. Well, Certified. So let's take this opportunity to look at snitching from an Afrocentric perspective. So snitching is often seen as a violation of the street code, which can be led to, again, retaliation and other negative outcomes. But personally, I think it's important to consider the impact of street code and snitching and how that impact can have such negative outcomes on different communities, especially when people feel like they can't trust the police or different type of legal systems. Um, they're more likely to take matters into their own hands. Sometimes it can end up being positive or it can end up being extremely negative. You know, it just depends on what's going on. Now, on the flip side of this, when people feel like they can rely on the police and the legal systems to protect them, they might be more likely to report crimes and work with law enforcement to be, um, they might work with law enforcement to bring criminals to justice. Unfortunately, it is up to each person to decide what they believe is right and wrong, and it's important to consider the potential consequences of their actions and to make choices that are sort of in line with their values and their own beliefs. How However, it's also important to consider that these situations where reporting a crime or cooperating with law enforcement can be extremely necessary and even life saving. The the decision to snitch or not is ultimately up to each individual. And it's important to consider the potential consequences of these actions. And it's also noteworthy um, that the term snitching can be extremely problematic as it implies that reporting a crime is somehow wrong or shameful. In reality, reporting a fucking crime is often the right thing to do and it can help keep people within those communities safe. And you know, there's just the truth about it and you know you niggas be so tight-lipped when it comes to snitching on y'all homeboys telling the truth your homeboy been raping bitches since 2008 y'all won't say nothing but have a suspicion or inkling won't say nothing but get so ready to get in a male group me and and talk about all these different bitches you've been pillow talking with like y'all have a very 
a very screwed sense of morality. And I think that there needs to be, I don't know, a nigga alliance meeting or something where all everybody, you know, the bourgeoisie, the Crips in the blood, the black cowboys, um, you know, the niggas from New Orleans, uh, you know, they all come together, the hotels, they come together up under one roof and we just redefine this shit and come to an agreement because it's, you know, the time is winding down for us to be so separated and having all these strict rules. Niggas need to be moving and operating as one. Okay. It's time out for all this, all this beefing and snitching and shit. It's time for us to come under one accord. Y'all is out here bullshit. Worry about the wrong thing. And if you want some problems, I got problems. 911, FBI, gang unit. Yeah, I got no, no. Y'all don't talk to the police. I run to them. Yeah, I got them on speed. Hey, police, no, officer, no, no, no. Y'all the one tight lip with the law, nigga. I'm loose lips like a motherfucker. So now that we just got done talking about snitching, now it's time to talk about ratting. So the terms snitching and ratting are often used interchangeably and they refer to the act of, again, criminally reporting activities to the ops. And they kind of have different connotations depending on the context. Now, generally speaking, speaking, Snitching is often used to refer to the act of betrayal of a person, a relationship, or loyalty in order to gain an advantage or to avoid punishment. For example, someone who provides information to authorities in order to receive a reduced sentence for their own crimes might be seen as a snitch. Now, in contrast with ratting, it is often referred to as the act of providing information to authorities in order to harm or betray someone often for personal gains for example someone who provides information about a criminal organization in order to gain power or control might be seen as a rat while the terms can be used in different ways they generally refer to the same basic act of reporting criminal activity to authorities and they have extremely similar negative connotations attached to each word don't get caught up in any situation you know you don't want to be a disloyal person be a nice person um i'll tell you this i feel like motherfuckers got more respect for a snitch than they do for a rat i'm just saying recommend snitching i don't recommend doing 20 years for nobody i don't recommend doing a life sentence for nobody it's just like robbing, right? Robbing is a part of the game. It's drug dealers who don't like niggas who rob. But robbery is a part of the game, nigga. So is snitching. If I can get out of jail to tell, why not? I ain't, it's, it's no honor amongst thieves. So why do I have to be honorable amongst thieves? Why? We all criminals and crooks. Why do I have to be honorable amongst y'all, man? No, I don't, don't want everybody play by them rules, lose. But look, let me let me let me keep it real. On the internet, you always say that. Where's the paperwork? I'm not a rat. I'm not a snitch. I ain't. But, I ain't but, you, but, but why are you calling the police on 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 the? On that's the, not the, that's not snitching. I'm not breaking the law. I'm not trying to get out of no trouble. That's what a snitch do. 
a snitch is telling to wiggle out of something. I'm just telling. As promised, I have created a spectrum of snitching. So how much are a snitch are you on the scale of boosted badass to Charleston White? Let's let's get into it. Let's do it. So for those who do not know, Boosie is a native Louisiana real country tactile tractor towing fucking purple pea show hooking country ass motherfucker. Okay? So recently Boosie has decided to cancel his collaboration with T.I. because he has discovered that T.I. has admitted to providing incriminating information um, on a dead relative. So the news of Boosie and T.I. working together on an album first came up September 2022 and they announced that they were going to do a joint effort as well as a reality TV series called Raw Ass Kids. So, um, in February, Boosie decided to do uh, another interview on Vlad TV, and um, Boosie was asked his thoughts on T.I.'s um, comments, which sparked a crazy-ass debate with Boosie himself internally, as well as the fans, on whether or not um, his cooperation with the police fell under the grounds of snitching or not. And according to Boosie, his Atlanta comrade T.I. is guilty of being an informant of his statements regarding the incidents, whether they were true, arguing that the person being deceased doesn't absolve him of not being a rat. So, <laughs> Boosie is legendary. He is, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, a, a prison advocate. Um, amongst the likes of Asada Shakur and fucking um, Angela Davis, a prison advocate, boosted the first one really to be <laughs> smoking blunts and saying fuck the police to their faces. You know, Boosie is real. He's live and he is a legend. Um, now, Boosie has spent a long time in and out of jail. He done faced cancer, all this shit. But he is an anti-snitch advocate. Okay, so Boosie is on on the far left side of the snitching spectrum. Boosie ain't going forward. Okay, so much so Boosie has created his own morality behind snitching. In fact, Boosie said that if you decide to snitch, you don't care about the kids. You got to understand, people who support rats don't give a fuck about kids. If you listen to a rat song, you don't give a fuck about your child. Because the kids suffer from the rat. The rat takes the parent off the street and the kid suffers. The rats are killing the kids' generation. They're growing up without fathers. If you're caught, you're fucking caught. The rat, if you give a fuck about a rat, you give a fuck about a child. That child father or his mother who you're taking off the streets because you're caught is going to punish that child. That child is going to suffer. Okay, so... 
That's what Booster said. Booster said, because when you snitch, you take the father away from the family. You disrupting families, according to Booster. Just, you just fucking up the nuclear family model. And you just don't have no respect. Um, These remarks Booster did in his Black interview, if you have not watched it, please go watch it. It's hilarious. Booster is a country fool. Um, obviously the shit he said went viral and according to him, um, boost, well, I'll just get into it in the next video so y'all can have more understanding of why Boosie is mad. But yes, Boosie is on the far left side of the spectrum. Y'all just hold on right quick. With the T.I. situation, if he did that, you're a fucking rat too. I don't spare no motherfucking body. Because if you if you if you doing anything wrong, you doing anything criminal wise, and you cooperate with law enforcement to get you out of trouble, that means you're cooperating. That means you're a rat. So in the middle of the snitching spectrum, you have Ti Tip Harris, my man, my man, my man. This how tiny being. Don't nobody want neither one of them. But I digress. So. Years ago, T.I. was pulled over by the police, right? And T.I. pinned a loaded gun um, that the he pinned it on his cousin. His cousin's name was Two. He pinned it on him when the cops found the gun within his car. Then um, Two, his cousin, ended up passing away before the case even went to trial. So, um, you know, R.I.P. to a real OG. Police, pull us over. Pull us over. I have a gun. Why are we going through the court process? And so we caught no gun cases to that. And, you know, my lawyer said, well, you know, I can make everything go away if it, if it was two, if it was Tremel's. And I had a talk with two. And what two said? Posthumously? Yeah, 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 yeah. After he had passed. After he had passed, I had a talk with him. And what two say? Two said, I take all the charges you got. If you can walk away free and put it on me, goddamn right. Because I'd be damned if they go come and motherfucking extradite me from here. <laughs> if they can come get me from here Shit. and serve me a warrant, they doing damn good. So is that so, what boys giving you shit about because you put it on? Nah, hell nah. nah okay. Nah, nah. Don't nobody even know about that. I just volunteered. This <laughs> <laughs> Don't nobody even know about that. I'm just being honest. You I can know dig it. I can dig it. I'm just being honest. Yeah. That's the only time. Mm. I done never said or gave no information about nobody because that's my cousin, my big cousin. Mm. He was dead and he told me that it was okay. <laughs> so this is the reason why Boosie canceled this whole album with them over something that was said years ago over something that was done even further back than that. So T.I. actually does have some supporters, um, a rapper named My Son. Um, according to My Son, Tip um, wasn't in the wrong for his decision, regardless of street rules, quote unquote. He also said that if he were ever to pass away from something, 
um, before his time, his family members can pin whatever they need to on him. And, you know, that's real. That's that's really nice of that young man. Um, my son went on to say that I think the logic, if someone thinks that they can tell on somebody who's dead, who doesn't suffer from any consequences, that's when street shit start coming in. That's when the ignorant street shit start coming in. That's when you doing some shit that don't even make sense at, same, at, the, at some point. And then he added... Um, I do not adhere to street rules. I deal with codes of manhood and integrity. If street rules tell y'all putting some guns on dead people who was there and snitching, fuck those rules respectfully. Tip as had T.I. Tip Harris had a paperwork party, y'all. Boy, I tell you the truth. So in February, after all this stuff happened and Boosie um canceled this album, Tip Ass was in Atlanta. He had a paperwork party down there to show everybody. He charged people to come into a building to buy food and to drink to celebrate that he was not no snitch. I don't know if that's reaching or trying too hard, but it do seem a little it's strange it's very strange and you know intertwining capitalism with you snitching or not snitching and you feeling the need to prove that you're not a snitch to a group of people that's strange but you know everybody you know everybody don't think like that so that is where charleston white fits in so ti is a moderate ti do what he need to do when he want to do it and y'all got to do something about it so he in the middle sometimes he snitching sometimes he not then we got fucking Charleston. I don't recommend doing 20 years for nobody. I don't recommend doing a life sentence for nobody. It's just like robbing, right? Robbing is a part of the game. It's drug dealers who don't like niggas who rob. But robbery is a part of the game, nigga. So is snitching. If I can get out of jail to tell, why not? I ain't, it's, it's no honor amongst thieves. So why do I have to be honorable amongst thieves? Why? We all criminals and crooks. Why do I have to be honorable amongst y'all? Man, no, I don't, don't want everybody play by them rules, lose. But look, let me, let, me, let me keep it real. On the internet, you always say that, where's the paperwork? I'm not a rat, I'm not a snitch. I ain't, the, but, I ain't but commit- you, but, but why are you calling the police on 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 the on the that's not that's not snitching? I'm not breaking the law. I'm not trying to get out of no trouble. That's what a snitch do. A snitch is telling to wiggle out of something. I'm just telling. Now at the far right of the spectrum, we have Charleston White. Charleston is who this episode is named after. Because he has an alter ego in which he calls himself Rat Williams. This character in which he calls himself Rat Williams is modeled after the comedian, the late comedian Dolomite. I don't know if y'all saw that movie, but if you haven't, you should. It will explain his erratic, off-the-wall behavior, the nonsense that he be saying, the want and need to irritate and pick people, pick at people. So for those who do not know, Charleston White is an American comedian. He's a YouTuber. He's an influencer. And he is a troller. And um, he speaks the truth through his social media. So he is the founder and CEO of Helping Young People Excel, also known as Hype. And it is an organization dedicated to educating teens and helping 
and steered them away from turning to crime. And the group has worked directly with members of one of Texas largest Hispanic gangs in the town of Fort Worth, Texas. So that's Charleston White. Now out of these two celebrities I just listed, I don't see either one of them actively doing anything to help the community as well as to give back to the community. But we did hear about T.I., Tiny Harris Husband's paperwork party. Okay, so that's Charleston. I think Charleston gets on hood niggas nerves because he really do be speaking the truth. But Charleston do be speaking a lot of bullshit. God help me, Jesus. If you ever want to have you a good chuck or go on TikTok and just watch him. So, like I said, on the week, um, one weekend in Atlanta, T.I. hosted this paperwork party. Let me give you the date. Sunday, February 26, 2023. Um, it was attraction on the internet and yeah, he explained that he got out of jail by blaming the situation on his dead cousin. So Booster ass um was on the invite list, but he did not show up. On the other hand, Charleston ass, he wasn't on no goddamn wait list and he did not wait for no invitation because that nigga just pulled up, okay? And he recorded TI outside of Trap City Cafe in Atlanta. Um I don't know. T.I. really did organize this event to prove that um, he did not snitch on the cousin. But Booster on Vlad TV, he publicly criticized T.I. and called T.I.'s action as snitching. Um, a few other rappers chimed in on Booster calling T.I. out. Um, Booster, he, he stands on it. He really is. He done called Tip a fucking rap. Um, they said T.I. don't spare no motherfucking body. Um... I don't know. And then Booster went on to post some more shit on the internet. But, um, Charleston asked something different. So, if Booster is on the far left and T.I. is right here in the middle, you gotta know that Charleston ass is all the way to the right. Yeah, 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 no. Charleston is a snitching motherfucker. And I really do appreciate him because Charleston, when he had, talks like he has since, he is so right. People glorify this this um, lifestyle. Um, they glorify taking a lick for that group, taking a charge for someone else. The devil will show you how to get in trouble, but he won't show you how, how to get out. And Charleston is the one that is calling them out and holding them accountable. Um, and Charleston said it best. Some of y'all need to get out of jail and tell these motherfuckers how it really is up in jail. They do because it's too many young people, too many young black boys who are falling prey to the system and is normalized. And in some cases it has been glamorized and, um, they don't know any better. So, um, Goddamn Charleston said that he want to create a group of young snitches and he going to get them together and they going to band together and they going to just start recording the, the the fucking crime and shit. So that is your spectrum right there. How much of a snitch are you on a scale of boosted bad ass to fucking Charleston Rat Williams white? You were saying T.I. was a rat. Well, yeah. Man, er, man, everybody know. 
Everybody know, homie. That man say he a seven-time convicted felon in one song. Seven convicted felon. How was the nigga said? Seven convicted felon. How you get caught with all these got guns? How? How? What deal? You can't even find his records nowhere on this. What deal can you possibly make with the FBI with all these military weapons? Silencers, homie. As many as he had with seven convicted felons. What deal did he make? Not only that, he became a Crime Stoppers helper. 1-800-TIP. Tipster. He became the tipster. Working with law enforcement, doing community service, advocating and promoting civilians as well as criminals called Crime Stoppers and report a crime. And he done a great job doing it. Not only that, when they shot up his tour bus that time and his partner Falunt got killed, T.I. took the stand. Swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, everything. Yes, sir, I do. And he was pointing and he was telling on that stand about what happened. He didn't play gangster. We cannot go anywhere until we take the time to look at snitching and ratting from an Afrocentric perspective. So from this perspective, the act of reporting criminal activity to authorities can be seen as an extremely, again, complex, nuanced, multifaceted issue. And it really does reflect those broader social issues embedded in the culture and the history within these urban communities. So on one hand, snitching and ratting can be seen as a form of resistance against oppressive systems of powers and those systems of powers maintain and they seek out control over these marginalized communities so some people might look at snitching and ratting and they think that by reporting criminal activity to the authorities individuals can some way challenge the status quo and disrupt systems of oppression that perpetuate violence poverty and other forms of social inequity now on the other hand Snitching and ratting can also be seen as a form of internalized oppression in which individuals feel compelled to betray their own um, communities and cultural values in order to gain or accept, um, gain acceptance or avoid punishment. So this can create a culture of mistrust and suspicion that undermines the social fabric of these communities as well as perpetuating cycles of violence and traumas within these urban neighborhoods. Overall, when we look at these concepts of snitching and ratting from an Afrocentric perspective, um, we have to recognize, again, those complex and controversial dynamics that underlie with under these issues. And we need to look for a uh, look for a way to promote a deeper understanding of these social, cultural, historical factors that shape these issues. Um I feel like a lot of these issues are a direct reflection of poverty. And if we can find a way to God undo the systemic oppression to be able to funnel more money and to bring more education and find more things that these communities can do that are productive, like bring ways to be able to find music and produce, produce music to be able to create music, find ways to give them sports, arts theaters i feel like that would really help 
with the violence give way to opportunities within those communities as well as to help them excel um you know the choice is yours and you can either do it the easy way or the hard way you know the choice is yours and you know they always say yes they always say yes so what are your thoughts how do you feel about snitches and rats get in the comments under my spotify post and tell me how you feel about it i really want to hear y'all thoughts and concepts okay the link is in my bio shout out to the slaves yeah shout out to the slaves you feel me shout out to harriet tubman shout out to the real niggas and shout out again to all those people who hate my guts y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world keep breaking these men down one at a time you are obsessed and sick and we are back with the big black shout out, the blackest shout out in the world. The big black shout out is an opportunity to help create and circulate the black dollar back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems. This week, I just want to give a big, a big black shout out to all of the black graduates. Um, a specific shout out to my baby sister, Alice Gray who is graduating with her master's in finance from one of the top universities in the United States. Um, shout out to you, bitch. You really is the generational curse breaker in our family. So kudos to you. Um, shout out to all of the black people who are graduating from high schools, whether you are salutatorian, valedictorian, or whether you just got out there, bitch congratulations to you shout out to all of the first generation college students who are graduating paving the way for all their ancestors your ancestors your family i'm proud of you shout out to the black fucking scholars who are achieving receiving their masters receiving their phd shout out to y'all y'all are really breaking barriers while navigating white spaces I'm so proud of you. Put, continue to keep going. Do not let self-doubt and your inner critic ruin you from being the first of many. Shout out to the black niggas that just got their trades. They just got their CDL license. Shout out to the niggas that just got their GED. Shout out to y'all. Y'all niggas are doing amazing. And y'all are the reason why the black dollar is circulating within those communities. Because if black people know anything, education is the way out. Sending so much love to y'all. Y'all make sure y'all shout me back out when it's my turn. Please forgive me for any sins in which I committed. Those I know of and those I don't know of, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for beating this bitch ass today, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for thinking about beating her ass again, Lord. Please rebuke all these demons that's in this house, Lord. I pray it's to not you, really Lord. necessary. Welcome back, saints and sinners. To the Church of Zion and Afrocentric Word of God in Christ. Yes, welcome back. For those who don't know, the altar call is the final segment of any black podcast episode. And I'm just here to let my people know that I'm here and I'm yet praying for you yes i'm hooping and hollering today because this is an opportunity for my audience members to get their prayer on um today we are here to pray for the city of starkville yes a former starkville high school teacher has been indicted for touching a minor for lustful purposes my god today boy that's that jezebel spirit is 
roaming the earth like a lion. My God. Randy Carlisle, age 49, is accused of touching the buttocks of a female student who was younger than 18. The incident occurred on May 27, 2022, according to the indictment. Um, Brother Carlisle would be facing up to 15 years in prison if convicted of charges. As a teacher, he is also considered a person who held the position of trust or authority over the alleged victim. Michael Carlisle was arrested by the Activity Hall County Sheriff's Office in the rain on Friday. So we will be keeping uh, the victim's family in deep prayer, deep prayer. Um, I guess the church is in mourning. Church is in mourning. A regular citizen who reports seeing a crime isn't a snitch or a rat. The criminals were just sloppy. Snitches and rats are not the same thing. Let me break it down to make sure y'all see what I mean. A snitch is someone minding other folks' business to find information they can sell for a price or trade for some other form of compensation. A rat is a traitor a conceiver, planner, or physical participator. He doesn't sell secrets for power or cash. He betrays the trust of his team or his family, hoping to save his own cowardly ass. The difference is, at least a snitch is human, but a rat is a fucking rat, period. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to you if you completed this episode. Yay! Yippee! Yahoo! Congratulations to making it to the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Freestyle 15, Rhett Williams. Shout out to the rats. <laughs> Shout out to the motherfuckers. Shout out to Master Spinner. Y'all know the big rat from off Ninja Turtles. Shout out to him. Um, Shout out to the motherfuckers that think they raid and they think they rat killers, man. We all just niggas out here. Um, make sure that we are empathizing with those who are in urban communities and lifting them up in prayer too because they live a very complex life and they are marginalized people. And I love y'all. I love the hood. I love the gang bangers, the drug lords, the dope boys. I love the grandmas. I like the uncles. I'm pretty friendly to the crackheads. Don't touch me if you was on opioids though. 
Um, thank you so much for choosing to be Afrocentric today. Um, please remember that Black Lives Matter. Make sure that we are listening and protecting Black women. And remember that the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is be Black and die. And here at the Afrocentric Podcast, remember that we're just civilized people and we're just having civilized conversations, honey. Duh. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. Some people call me Till, but this is about another kind of Till that can help our mothers, our sisters, our brothers, and our fathers help get the perpetrators who commit crimes against them off the streets. All you got to do is call Crime Stoppers Atlanta. Tips can be anonymous, and there's even a reward. The number to Crime Stoppers Atlanta is 404-577-8477. That's 404-577-TIPS. Channel 2, community coverage. You can-